Now, you're in the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. Such a busy week uh, in the NFL with free agency, and boy, it is just fast and furious. Signings left and right uh, throughout this week, and to help us make sense of it all, we bring on Albert Breer, senior NFL reporter, MMQB.com. And Albert, great to have you on the show. How you been? I'm good. I'm good. How you doing? Good, good. Everything's great. So uh, give us an idea. You know, we talk a lot of baseball here. Baseball free agency plays out over like three years for these guys now. Uh, they got to wait until spring training to finally sign. Football, free agency was over before it even began, it seemed, in a lot of ways, or technically began. How is it that things develop where guys are, are technically signing even before, you know, that 4 o'clock Wednesday when free agency technically begins? Well, it's because no one's following the rules. And, uh, you know, the scouting combines a couple of weeks before the start of free agency. And generally, that's where the framework for a lot of deals, um, you know, starts to come into shape. And I, you know, you really like a lot of these deals, by the time you get to the opening of the tampering period, are close to being done. And then it's just up to the player to pick a team. And so the rules are such where, you know, it's sort of necessitated rule breaking, you know, and that. Um, because football is a little different than the other sports and that there are more players out there, um, you know, they're more sort of replaceable. Um, you know, it really does turn into a big game of musical chairs. And, you know, being forced to make a decision within a 48-hour period, that's not very realistic. And so, you know, a lot of the groundwork for, for, for what we saw this week, um, you know, was put in place at the Combine in Indianapolis and even before that. You know, at that point, teams and agents had an idea of, of where the value of each player was. And then you get to this week, and now it's just about the player kind of picking where he wants to go. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's really the way it works. You know, is that, it, that the you know the process of free agents picking where they want to want to go really starts at the end of the season, and then you know you get to the combine, and that's really when the numbers start to go back and forth when you start to hear real numbers. And, you know, you get to the week where free agency is happening and, and, and 80% of the process is already done. So, you know, one thing that following the Jets here, I thought, you know, it wasn't great that they couldn't get Kirk Cousins to, you know, even visit and, and take a real look at the yeah. Jets. But the way that this plays out, you know, it's all, you know, decided the numbers beforehand. I mean, if you're a player like Cousins, let's say you're a guy with options, can you even go and, and really visit and, and find that much out about these franchises if you want to to get it done? Or, or are they able to do that much behind the scenes, uh, you know, against the rules? Well, well, Cousins could have. You know, Cousins could have said um, to both these teams, you both got a realistic shot. And, you know, I want to visit both of you, and I really want to take a hard look at it, figure out where you're at. And, and, and you know, Cousins made an effort to do that. And the Jets weren't an answer. And I think it became, it kind of crystallized Monday, Tuesday, that, it, it, like, the Vikings were the very clear leader. And, you know, because things moved so quickly, the other teams all want an answer. And, and, you know, you saw how quickly the other three teams that were in this a few weeks ago were reacting. And, you know, these guys come off the market so quick that you have to, you know, go to your plan B. You have to pivot and go to plan B really, really quickly. And so you see the Broncos were already working on plan B before they were out of the Cousins sweepstakes. Mm-hmm. You know, they were ready to go with Case Keenum. You see what the Cardinals did, bringing in both Sam Bradford 
to Mike Lennon, and, you know, the Jets' plan B had been, you know, let's see if we can get Josh McCown to come back, and let's see if we can get Teddy Bridgewater to come in. Um, you know, the, the, the consolation for all three of those teams is that they still have flexibility going forward, where if you if you had Kirk Cousins on the roster, that's your guy going forward, you know, and, and now each of those teams, I think, is, you know, at least a candidate. It's not a, a you know, very strong probability to take a quarterback in the first round of the draft. And so, you know, the Cardinals and the Jets uh, so I had a, a pretty strong desire to pursue Kirk Cousins. Um, you know, but for the for their for, for their own sake, you know, Cousins can't try to make it clear, you know, where they were the whole time. And, uh, you know, I, I think they did those teams a favor, you know, by, by letting them know this is where we're at here. This is where we're at this point, this point, this point. It allowed the other teams turn to, to turn to their plan Bs pretty quickly. And, and we can see that, you know, in, in those cases, um, those teams were able to pull off what, you know, they planned on pulling off if they weren't going to land Kurt. Yeah, and it all gets settled pretty quickly. As you mentioned, the Jets, uh, Lana McCown, as well as Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. Uh, then they went out, signed Tremaine Johnson. That's their, their big acquisition at cornerback. Um, you know, how, how is he going to change the, the Jets defense? Is he a, you know, Darrell Rivas shutdown type of corner? What, what did the, the Jets grab there from the Rams? Well, I don't think he's a Darrell Rivas type player. Um, and he's not as good as the player that will replace him in, in Los Angeles either. That, that's Marcus Peters. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's a, he's a big, long corner um, who can be a matchup guy for you and who can turn the ball over. And, you know, the, the way that Tom Cole's defense is set up is, you know, he puts a heavy burden on the defensive backs and he, he needs guys who can cover man-to-man. So he can be aggressive up front. Um, you know, his history is one of the most blitz happy defensive coaches in the league, and you know you need strength in the secondary to do that. So um, they've got some Mo Claiborne, who they believe can turn the ball over, and who they believe can match up with bigger receivers. Add him to Mo Clay, or add him to, or add Tremaine Johnson to, 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 to Mo, and uh, you know it, I think they feel like they're in a better spot than they were a week ago, and you know, we'll see. You know, we'll see what else they do. I, I, I expect that they're still going to be in the market for, for Tyron Matthew, and, you know, they've already got a couple of really good young safeties in Jamal Adams and Marcus May. But you can see the, the, the investment in the secondary, and you've actually seen that since the start with Bowles and McCagden, how much, um, you know, how much, you know, stock they put in those positions back there. Uh, and this is another example of it. Just not a, you know, I mean, Terrain Johnson isn't going to be first-team All-Pro, um, but he can be a playmaker for you, and he can allow you to be a little more aggressive up front. Yeah, certainly. We're talking again with Albert Breer, senior NFL uh, reporter and at MMQB.com. Uh, who do you think is the most improved team after uh, most of free agency has played out now? Yeah, you know, in the NFL, the, <laughs> the NFL, if you're really active in the first couple of days of free agency, um, there's a pretty good chance you're going to look back a couple of years later with regret. Mm-hmm. So this isn't always the best time to be buying. Um, but I really like what the Titans did. Um, the other team that really sticks out to me is, as, as one that, that went into this with a plan and came out of it with players that are going to help Mike Brable build a program. And, and going and getting Malcolm Butler and going and getting Deion Lewis, they're, they're putting two guys in the locker room who know what the expectations are going to be because Mike Brable is going to set the program up in a New England kind of way. And you know, they've got good background on those players because they know people in New England who have given them the truth on, on what they're getting. And so, you know, look, when you're spending, again, if you're spe- when you're spending on the first couple of days of free agency, you are 
almost by definition overpaying for players. Um, and so you want some certainty coming back, and you might want to get a little more than just um, what a guy brings on the playing field. Um, and I think that there's a feeling in Tennessee that they're going to get that with these two guys and that um, these guys are going to help Mike Vrabel build the program and, and be guys who can sort of spread the message in, in, in what Vrabel's going to be looking for in the locker room. And they've got a really good idea of who they're going to be as players because, you know, they've got they've got great information on on what they've been over the last few years. And on the other side, the Patriots, they lose a couple of effective players there, and uh, Danny Amendola through free agency yep. as well. Nate Solder ends up with the New York Giants. They do sign Adrian Claiborne, good pass rusher from the Falcons, but I, I guess we play this game with New England just about every year. You know, What's that uh, exit that, that's going to be the one that costs them, but how, how built are they to you know, withstand some of the, the losses this offseason? Uh, it's hard to it's hard to kill them, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's you know like that. As long as Brady and Belichick are there, um, it's hard to say they won't be the favorites in the AFC. It's hard to say they won't get to the AFC Championship game. They've been there seven years in a row. Um, it's hard to say they won't be contending for a championship in January of 2019. Um, that said, I, I think the biggest loss is, is without question Nate Solder. I think they can absorb the loss of Deion Lewis. They've, you know, moved pieces in and out of running back over the years. They made a big ticket acquisition in, in Stephon Gilmore last year, and, and that'll help them deal with the blow of losing Malcolm Butler. Um, if Julian Edelman's healthy, I think they can deal with the loss of Danny Amendola. Mm-hmm. Nate Solder's a tough one because, you know, if you want to go back over the 17 years um, that Brady's been the starter there, the second most stable position on the roster behind quarterbacks been left tackle. They've really had two left tackles over the entire period. And it's Matt White for 11 years and then Nate Solder for the last six. And that's not to say that Nate Solder is Anthony Munoz or Jonathan Ogden out there, but he's really, you know, a a solid piece that, you know, where they knew that position was taken care of. And I'm sure as people in New York know, um, (laughs) you know, if you have a left tackle, position taken care of it makes filling in at the other four positions a lot easier and so replacing him is a big problem you know i'm not saying that this is going to prevent them from reaching the level they've been at the last couple of years but um yeah, that's certainly the biggest loss and then beyond that of course i think the other important thing they need to do is find a way to calm down all the chaos that was going on in the building last year and find a way to level out the belichick brady relationship because clearly right now that's not where it needs to be yeah, and uh, you know, for the Patriots, you don't want that offensive line looking like the Giants' offensive line last year. So they want to uh, get that taken care of. Um, yeah, and finally, the Seahawks. Boy, I mean, just huge changes there. Uh, how how quickly can they, you know, rebuild it with, with Russell Wilson? Uh, it, it's like one veteran after another is out of there. Yeah, and uh, the plan I think has been for a few months now. We're going to rebuild around Russell Wilson on offense, Bobby Wagner on defense, and. So much was always going to hinge on five defensive players for them, and that's Richard Sherman and Earl Thomas who are going into contract years. Obviously, they're shopping Earl Thomas now. Richard Sherman was cut. It's on the Niners. Um, Cam Chancellor and Cliff Averill, both those guys are coming off of neck injuries. And then Michael Bennett, who was a little bit of a pain in the ass last year, and he's been traded now. And so I think we looked at the fate of the Seahawks. If you wanted to look at the fate of the Seahawks a few weeks ago, you could say it's going to hinge on what they do with those five players. Um, and the fact that, you know, two of them are gone and the other three are clearly still in flux 
tells you that they're going into a retooling mode where for the next year or two, you're going to see a lot of turnover on the roster. And what makes it difficult for them is, you know, they're to some degree depleted at draft picks. They traded for Dwayne Brown in midseason last year, and that left them without a second-round pick. And so uh, they've got a lot of work to do, and they don't have a ton of capital to do it with. Um, you know, I, I think it's fair to put your faith in John Schneider and Pete Carroll based on what they've done over the course of the last, you know, eight years there in Seattle. But there are some big challenges ahead in, in finding a way to rebuild the roster, and they're not going to look the same at all next year. Yeah, big time. Uh, Albert Breer, check out his work, mmqb.com. And, uh, Albert, we appreciate the time. Thanks so much for coming on. All right, thank you. All right, talking some uh, football there with Albert Breer, getting you caught up uh, on some of the big storylines this week. Obviously, the, the quarterback shuffle uh, has been all over the place. The Jets, they end up with Teddy Bridgewater, Josh McCown, uh, the Bills signing A.J. McCarron. Uh, so they're going to give him an opportunity, but uh, playing coy as far as whether or not they'll try to jump ahead of the Jets for a top-five draft pick and land a young quarterback as well. And, and the way the draft sets up, and we'll get more into this uh, over the next week or two, but it is fascinating uh, how it'll play out those first, you know, six picks at the very least, where the Jets are at six, uh, with the Giants, Jets looking potentially for franchise quarterbacks. You have potentially an all-time running back in this draft in Saquon Barkley, and then uh, a team like the Bills looking to jump up there. What do the Broncos do? Uh, do the Browns definitely take a quarterback, or you know, are they going to be comfortable with uh, Tyrod Taylor there uh, for the time being? Uh, there is a, a ton, just a ton of moving pieces there, and a draft where you have three, maybe four, quality quarterbacks it doesn't happen very often and you know we know these teams in the nfl is just starving for any kind of help at that position if you don't have it and uh, you don't have to be a jets fan to know that much